Imagine a place where this entire conversation, every single word of it, was already cataloged in many books. You mean a dictionary? Oh, very good, but no, this is... The Phantasmagorical Think Tank. What do you get when you mix running water and a bookstore? I don't know, Matt. What do you get? The Library of Babel! Which is our next topic. The Library of Babel? What is that? Introduced in 1941 by Jorge Luis Borges, uh, originally written in Spanish, was this short story about the Library of Babel, a fictional place which had a systematic organization of books such that each book contained a certain amount of pages. 410, I believe. And each page contained a certain amount of character spaces. 3,600, I believe. Not all of which are necessarily utilized. And given these dimensions, the library contains every permutation of every book that will ever be by changing the characters or cycling through the characters of the Spanish alphabet. So I think we should pause and contemplate the sheer magnitude of those parameters. So it's every single 410-page book that could possibly be permutated with the letters of the Spanish alphabet and the comma and the period. Yes. Also, it does not contain numbers like numerical digits, Mm -hmm. nor have a difference in capital and lowercase letters. Excellent. And just to be clear, it is every combination, not just things that could make sense or not just books that are good, but every single letter combo imaginable. Yes. Theoretically, you could just have a bunch of J's and commas alternating within a book to give an example of pure gibberish. Crazy. So the original short story, it's only a mere 10 pages. I recommend that all of you guys read it. It tells this surreal, dare I say it, phantasmagorical story about a librarian who's lived in this unfathomably large library his entire life and all the bizarre weird cultures that inevitably arise when everybody is trapped in this unfathomable library for all eternity. So the Library of Babel clearly has some significant implications to it uh, and some meaning that can be derived from it. But perhaps before we go into that, we can talk about where does the, the terminology Babel come from? Some of you may have heard of the Tower of Babel, a biblical story, or should I say a Babelic? story Uh, originally found in Genesis it describes the world when there was only one language supposedly and people began to work together to construct a tower that would reach the heavens but God does not approve of home invasion in the (laughs) Bible so he created it such that everyone had to speak different languages so that they could not collude in building the tower that would reach the heavens just to be clear is the moral of that story teamwork is bad Or is it home invasion (laughs) is bad? (laughs) Perhaps. So the takeaway of the story is that it's a creation myth for how humanity gained the thousands of different languages that we have today. Is that an accurate summation? Yeah, pretty much. And so the way it links to the Library of Babel is that 
the library has every single thing that could be said ever, every single language transliterated into Spanish, of course. And so it kind of takes all the world's languages and crams them all back together again. Thank you very much for that question. Translation is taking one language and turning it into another. Transliteration is taking one writing system and turning it into the other. For example, turning the Greek writing system into English is transliteration. But of course, I think we might be focusing a little bit too much on the fact that it's the Spanish alphabet. I think that's simply an artifact of the author being Spanish himself rather than any like prototypical nature to it. Since it is a theoretical place, theoretically mm -hmm. all the books could have a different yeah. writing system within them and different iterations mm -hmm. of the letters. Yeah, I'd imagine like ideally it would just be like some pure universal, right? The International Phonetic Alphabet. We should write a sequel where it's like the, the, the Library of Babel, but in the International Phonetic Alphabet. What a great idea. Let's, let's get started. That sounds like a lot of effort to write all those books. <laughs> well said. Now, I'd like to make a quick aside and talk about the Tower of Babel. You might know I'm a member of the conlanging community. That is language invention because conlang, constructed language. And the Language Creation Society's flag is the Tower of Babel. In a sense, we're sort of reclaiming the symbol and turning the symbolism on its head where in the uh, Genesis story, it sort of says like, oh man, and that's how language diversity appears. The world was originally one pure language, darn it. But here on the flag, we're sort of flipping it around and saying, no, language diversity is good. All the different worlds and cultures speaking different languages with different nuances is a good thing. And I find that poetic. And that is why I introduced the tangent. But we've uh, gone on to a tangent within the tangent. Let's go back to the Library of Babel itself. Matt, could you explain just how gargantuan this place is in terms of scale? Well, to put it in terms of memory storage as bits, the smallest unit in which a computer can retain memory, in total, the information of the library would be 10 to the 1,800,000 bits. Goodness gracious me, say that again. 10 to the 1,800,000 bits. I am having a hard time even fathoming that. How many atoms in the universe are there? There are approximately 10 to the 80 atoms in the universe. So the number of atoms in every single star and every single planet and every single galaxy is 10 to the 80. The number of characters in this library is... 10 to the 1.8 million. Exactly. Unfathomable. How many uh, ways can a deck of cards be arranged? A deck of cards has 10 to the 67 different orders. How many games of chess are there? Going by all the legal moves, there are 10 to the 120 different games of chess you could play. That's simply astounding because these numbers in their own right, are barely even imaginable. And this number blows them all away and leaves them all far, far behind. Imagine you're in a park and there are 120 ducks. Now imagine you're in a park and there are 1.8 million ducks. It's quite a terrifying number of ducks. And that's just the exponent. It's 10 to the power <laughs> of 1.8 million and 10 to the power of 120 for the games of chess. My goodness, just to put that in perspective, that is 10 with 
1.8 million zeros following following it. Just try and write that number. Yeah, honestly, it would the, a printer couldn't even print the number that represents it, let alone print that number of characters. Given that this library has so many different permutations of books, what are the literary implications, Scott? Literary implications. Well, consider that it blurs the line between invention and discovery. Suppose that the library of Babel exists. Then that means this entire conversation, the entire transcript of this podcast segment is already in the library of Babel. It was always there my entire life waiting for me to perfectly recite the exact page of one random book in one random hexagon in this unfathomably large library. So it poses the question, did anything that we've ever said in our lives, did we actually invent that if the library of Babel beat us to it? When uh, Shakespeare composes the most beautiful heartwarming sonnets, does he really deserve credit if there's already been a library that's been sitting there with those exact sonnets somewhere on some page since the dawn of time? And does that mean even our exquisite corpse project where we, we didn't even talk to the person next to us about what we were going to write about, we just put a story together, was already a story before we wrote it? Exactly. And also consider, there is a book somewhere in the Library of Babel that has our exact transcript of our exquisite corpse, but there's also an unthinkable number of books that are almost exactly like our exquisite corpse, but with one word difference. Or maybe when I took out that comma from that one line, there's a version where I left that comma in, in the library. It's crazy to think about. And also consider that when you turn in, in a, a paper that maybe gets an A- minus or a B+, plus, there is a paper somewhere in the, the Library of Babel that would have gotten the A+. Plus. Somewhere in there is the paper that would have brought the professor to tears. Even in terms of scientific papers too, right, Scott? I mean, theoretically, isn't there already a research project done for all the research projects that will happen? Yes, I think this act that's actually a great point to bring up because it transitions into the knowledge part. What are some of the epistemological implications? Consider that every fact that could ever be known is written out already waiting to be read somewhere. But this is where it, of course, gets funky because there's every false fact that could be written that's there. And you have no way of knowing which one's the truth and which are the infinite lies. So I could find a, a book that says a dolphin is a type of dog. Yeah, that's there. Even though it's wrong. There is a book that perfectly details what you did last night, and probably millions upon millions of books that perfectly detail what you didn't do last night. And when I say millions, I mean trillions, quadrillions, some number that I can't even wrap my mind around. My next question is, Matt, if you could go to the Library of Babel, would you? I personally would not because thinking about how large it is, A, a lot of walking, and B, say I was looking for a specific book. Maybe I wanted a book that did detail what I did last night just so I could say, oh, wow, I found a book that exactly says what I'm saying right now and what I did last night and in this order and is going to tell me the dialogue for the next podcast we're going to do. But the odds that I found that book among all of the books is almost zero. I have to agree. 
that's kind of unfortunate because even though we've described the Library of Babel so far as if it's filled with knowledge and misinformation, in truth, for every sentence that you find that has any meaning, for every single word that you find, there's just pages and pages of meaningless random strings of letters. Would you go, Scott? Uh, not for the knowledge, but probably just for the sake of saying I did it. I'd probably spend all day looking through random, random pages going blow, and I'll be like, guys, guys, I found a page that says two. You see, there's a T and an O. That's the longest word that I found. <laughs> no, but for real, I, I don't think there's any... Practically speaking, if assuming I didn't have like the ability to search out a book or have a librarian that told me exactly where it was immediately, it would just be a day wasted full of random, random pages. Well, Scott, you you say that you can't find anything that of any meaning because it's physical books and you have to look through each one. But what if there was a way where you did have, in a way, your own sort of librarian mm-hmm. that could bring you to exactly what you wanted to find if you wanted to find a sentence or a page or... In an instant? Yes. My goodness, I'm intrigued. Tell me more about this. There is actually a website called a Library of Babel where you can actually look up certain things as search options, browse options, and you could type in a sentence and it will tell you where in the library based on the specific algorithm by the creator of the website, what position in the library you would find whatever you typed and looked up. And what's actually really cool about the website is that like, it can tell you where you can find it in the library, and then you can go onto another computer, type in that like uh, address, and then it'll pop up. It's actually like a very well-made algorithm. Obviously, they can't actually have the library of Babel on the server because, like we said, more bits than there are atoms in the universe. But it does a very good job with the smoke and mirrors, making it feel like it is as it reports itself to be. Honestly, I encourage you, go on to Library of Babel, type in as much of this episode of Phantasmagorical Think Tank as you desire, under 3,600 characters, and all of those sentences were already sitting on the server somewhere in the wires of an internet storage facility, sitting there years before I ever said them out loud. That's eerie. Like, how do you feel about that, Matt? knowing that everything you're going to say tomorrow was already on the internet a year ago. I'm sure I'm a, I'm a pretty repetitive guy. I'm sure that someone <laughs> said it on Reddit. <laughs> we are approaching the end of our section, but before we go, I'd like to share a fan theory. So, like I said at the beginning, the short story talks about this librarian who's lived his whole life in this bizarre library. And he mentions that all the books have exactly 410 pages. But my theory is that really the library is infinite and the books can have infinitely many pages, but they are organized by page number. And so because just the 410-page section alone is Goliath, that he will never be able to reach the edge of that section because you can't walk across it within one human lifetime. And so to him, it seems like the whole of the library is 410 pages. It also seems that if that theory were true, it'd be different for someone, say, at the one or two page mm-hmm. side, where it's easy to just go through all the spaces mm-hmm. on a one page thing and be like, oh, and now these books seem to have two pages. But the deeper you're in the library, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Although he does say in the short story that the speaker's theory is that it's sort of like a, a non-Euclidean circular dimension that like if you walk all the way there is to walk to the left, you'll appear right back where you started. Oh, like you'll open a book and it'll be the same book as when you uh, left it. Exactly. Yeah. Any closing remarks? Next time you speak, just remember it doesn't matter what you say because you said it already. Mm-hmm. And my last line is, I only slightly chuckled from that statement, but there's somewhere in the Library of Babel that has a transcript that is exactly like our section's transcript, but it ends with a joke that made me guffaw to tears. You know, I'd actually like to say a point of that, that maybe the Library of Babel is kind of unhealthy because it makes us sit around pondering what could have been and longing and desiring for all those sentences that we know we'll never say, that could say. It's like, there's always a better X. There's always a better path we could have taken. And so thinking about the library makes us self-conscious about the paths we did take. Maybe that's the point of the story, the the 10-page long story. And think, golly, I sure am glad we live where we live and not in this library. Yeah. Schlimmer three, mother five, eight, nine, Are you okay there, buddy? Yeah, I'm just reading the script that we were delivered from the library. What? You've been reading from a script that perfectly replicated what you probably would have said otherwise? Yep. Well, that's a good plot twist, because I'm just reading a book that I got from the Library of Babel too. And our books just happen to sync up? <laughs> what are the odds of that? It's like one in the odds of ten to a million ducks. And this has been the Phantasmagorical Think Tank.